episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Uh, on today's episode, we have another fascinating guest uh, at the sort of intersection of regenerative medicine and tissue engineering. Uh, and we're going to go into a really fascinating concept uh, termed symbiotic tissue engineering. Uh, we're joined today by Dr. Yushrike Zhang, who is assistant professor at Harvard Medical School and associate bioengineer at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Uh, Dr. Zhang's research interests include 3D bioprinting, organs on a chip, biomaterials, regenerative engineering, bioanalysis, nanomedicine, and biology in general. Uh, his scientific contributions have been recognized uh, by over 40 regional, national, and international awards. He's delivered more than 110 lectures worldwide, served as a reviewer for over 500 manuscripts and 50 journals. Uh, he currently serves as editor-in-chief for Microphysiological Systems and is associate editor for Biodesign and Manufacturing NanoSelect, Aggregate, and Essays in Biochemistry. He's also on the editorial board of Biofabrication, Bioprinting, Advanced Healthcare Materials, Discover Materials, BMC Biomedical Engineering, Materials Today, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Dr. Zhang has his, uh, his PhD uh, in Biomedical Engineering uh, from both Georgia Institute of Technology and Emory, a bioengineering degrees, uh, a master's degree at Washington University and his bachelor's at Southeastern University. Uh, Dr. Zhang, welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you. Uh, typically, uh, we start off by giving our guests the floor just for a little bit. Uh, if you could uh, take some time to introduce yourself, a little bit about uh, your background, where you grew up, how you got interested in, in science and bioengineering and biomedical engineering, uh, and a little bit of your career path to date, that will be a, a wonderful way to start things off. Thank you. Sure. So I guess you did a pretty nice introduction already, uh, uh, dating uh, all of those. Uh, but to be a little more, sp uh, more specific, so I grew up in uh, China, uh, actually a city called Nanjing, uh, uh, where I did my uh, undergrad studies uh, in the Southeast University that you mentioned. Uh, and then I, uh, I was basically also back in uh, biomedical engineering uh, then. Uh, and since then, I actually have not changed my direction of, of study uh, until now. So then uh, in 2008, I came to the States, initially in WashU, uh, St. Louis, uh, to do my uh, uh, PhD work. And then uh, my advisor actually moved in the middle to Georgia Tech. So that's why I ended up in Georgia Tech from a PhD uh, degree. So, uh, and in both WashU and uh, Georgia Tech, uh, I was uh, in biomedical engineering uh, department, uh, as mentioned. Uh, and my focus of research has been uh, uh, pretty much um, on uh, biomaterials and biofabrication uh, along the years. And uh, more recently, I uh, basically moved to uh, Boston uh, in 2013 and then did my postdoc here and then stayed over as faculty member at Harvard Med School uh, and Brigham Women's Hospital. So, uh, and then uh, uh, back, uh, like here in Boston, we, uh, we're still primarily focused on bio, uh, engineering and biomaterials in particular, but uh, we had a little kind of shifting focus to a little more in the biofabrication or device -y kind of thing, where we use a range of different technologies by, uh, ranging from, for example, bio uh, printing and all the way to microphotic devices to allow us to generate uh, human tissues and organs 
uh, outside human body that are functioning just the same as the doing the human uh, system to allow us to uh, not only uh, target, for example, regenerative medicine uh, uh, down in the future, but also potentially providing us the opportunity to uh, build these uh, so-called in virtual models of human tissues and organs to allow better screening of uh, drugs and uh, potentially combining with, uh, for example, cells from different patients, we can even uh, use them for uh, regime, uh, for uh, personal medicine applications. So those are, uh, I guess, basically a quick uh, overview of uh, what we have been done in the past uh, years. I appreciate that introduction. And, you know, we, when it comes to topics like tissue engineering, especially uh, ex vivo tissue engineering, you know, we've touched on uh, some of the sort of the basic themes um, previously in terms of, uh, you know, bioprinting and, and some of the work that's done on um, sort of decellularization and recellularization of, of an organ scaffold and so forth. Uh, but, you know, as, as, Obviously, you're aware, and, and, and sort of we talked with you on previous shows, you know, there's a lot of very <laughs> unique dynamics that happen outside of the body versus inside. And you have been very um, sort of at the forefront. We'll get into sort of the paper in a little bit, but this principle of <clears throat> symbiotic tissue engineering, um, sort of the ability, and I, I don't know if I it's correct or not to put it in sort of a basket of like biomimicry where we're looking at other forms in nature that may not be human, but there's an elegance to that and how, whether it's a structure or in this case, oxygenation uh, dynamics uh, that we can learn a lot from for how we craft these things. Talk a little bit about just in general, what symbiotic tissue engineering means and why you started looking at it as one of the various tools in your toolkit there. Sure. So maybe I can do this in a bit reversed way. So uh, to be a uh, uh, yeah, little background here is I am a uh, pretty avid uh, nature watcher, right? So I do actually bird watch. Uh, I've, actually, I was uh, doing bird watching from about 20 years ago uh, since I was very young and I kept that until now. And uh, I see, I do see a lot of nature kind of working synergies together uh, all the time, right? So for example, as you mentioned, uh, I mean, we are living in an ecosystem that's uh, composed of both plant cells uh, or plants and animals, and uh, they actually live together in a way that uh, that's in harmony, right? For example, the plant cells or plants act actually uh, producing oxygen uh, to uh, support the living of the animals, and at the same time, or in turn, the animals produce their wastes uh, that are further fed back into the plants so that they can grow better. So that's the uh, whole kind of nature, uh, kind of symbiotic uh, way of nature uh, working uh, in, the, in the world outside of uh, the lab. But then within the lab with that, can you actually do the same thing here uh, by miniaturizing this ecosystem into the devices or tissues or uh, constructs that you create uh, within the lab? So, so then uh, basically this is exactly what we had uh, down in this uh, particular project where we kind of bioprinted a little structure of the algae, which is a uh, form of plant. Uh, and then they would then allow us to uh, uh, shine light upon them, then to create oxygen from them using the photosynthetic way. So then uh, what we did is that we actually embedded this bioprinted structure into a matrix of uh, structure having mammalian cells or human cells in this case in particular. Uh, and then this is creating us this little uh, symbiotic micro ecosystem uh, within the lab that allows uh, not only 
I mean, the algae producing oxygen for the mammalian cells, but also uh, algae taking away the carbon dioxide and other wastes from mammalian cells uh, to create this like little synergy there uh, to promote their, uh, like both of their growth. And uh, yeah, basically that's the, uh, that's the uh, I mean, that's where this concept came from. And uh, uh, very interestingly, uh, this allows uh, for the first time uh, oxygenation uh, or sustained oxygenation from within engineered human tissues to support their functions. Uh, and what's more interesting uh, uh, here is because, I mean, you can imagine you're going to uh, eventually create a tissue construct that would allow you to put back into human system. So now you don't want to have any algae in there, right? So because you don't want to, I mean, can you imagine you don't want to have any algae in your, in your body uh, once it's implanted. So, so what we did here is that we made this bioprinted algae structure sacrificial, meaning that once you have initial oxygenation period to allow growth of the surrounding mammalian cells, you can selectively remove these bioprinted algae structures. So then not only can you uh, remove them, but also you can create these hollow channels that are connected to function as vascular channels with, uh, uh, within this tissue construct. So now you're creating vascular as the like human like tissue that you can do uh, use for whatever different purposes you, you want, basically. Very elegant, very elegant. And the, and the title of that paper for people that are going to be uh, listening, uh, Symbiotic Photosynthetic Oxygenation uh, Within 3D Bioprinted Vascularized Tissues, and it's in the uh, the journal Matter. Um, just obviously, you know, this this work is, as we say, a lot of, the, a lot of this early stage, but nonetheless, an amazing sort of recent publication. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because I know the, uh, the way it was described, sort of you made these honeycomb uh, style structures. Um, are these, uh, do you envision similar type of, um, I'd say bioreactors using algae in, in sort of these more complex forms uh, later on with the project in the sense of, you know, a, a kidney or a, a, a complex, much more complex tissue? Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, actually the beauty of bioprinting, right? So because uh, bioprinting actually allows you to uh, deposit or create three-dimensional structures of any, essentially any shape or, or, or architecture at, uh, as you wish, right? So in this particular paper that we uh, uh, published just now, uh, we demonstrated a liver-like structure. That's why we actually had this hexagonal kind of pattern to model or mimic the human kind of liver lobule structure that's uh, that are uh, 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 that's basically present uh, is present in the human system, uh, but of course you can imagine that you can you can readily create any other structure that you want for modeling any other human tissues uh, down the future. For example, if you want to uh, do it hard, you can maybe create some other uh, vascular patterns or these patterns that are mimicking the vasculature within the human heart. Or if you're creating a kidney or other things, you can do the same thing, right? So, so that's basically why we use bioprinting, which allows us a lot of freedom to, uh, uh, to uh, shape these patterns in different ways as, as needed. Really interesting, really interesting. Um, another a tool in your portfolio that you're currently uh, working on has to do with um, sort of these, what are, you refer to as a micro beads, as, as various carriers for delivery of cells. And one of the things that you mentioned in, in this particular area of the portfolio is that you're looking for so-called irregular uh, cavities of regeneration that we might not uh, normally uh, think of with these, uh, you know, 
minimally invasive processes. What are some examples of irregular uh, cavities that are, are useful for this type of tool in regenerative medicine? Sure, yeah, definitely. So yeah, thanks for raising that up. So uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we actually make these uh, little kind of micro uh, porous carriers that allow cells to attach and proliferate inside, uh, then uh, uh, basically enabling us to uh, uh, deliver them uh, through injection in a minimum basic way to uh, local tissues that are injured uh, or uh, damaged. So uh, as you can imagine, this can be useful for many of the uh, disease types or uh, injuries, for example, if you have an accident, right? So a lot of the uh, injuries or damaged areas are not really regular, right? It can be any disaster shape that you can imagine, right? So then uh, having a very defined structure to be implanted is sometimes getting complex and especially in some cases or most cases you want to have uh, like first line treatment you don't want to wait for another I don't know like days to get your engineered construct so that's where this kicks in right so you can uh, gather these little kind of micro beads uh, put cells on there and then uh, direct inject them into the wound area so that the whole, I mean, these whole beads can uh, automatically form or conform to the shape of the wound and then uh, uh, kind of uh, reconstruct the entire volume of the tissue. So that's uh, basically where you can uh, imagine can use them uh, realistically. Another, you know, really fascinating topic, which you also have part of your portfolio is this, this concept of of organ on a chip, and basically using some of you know the the, the concepts that you uh, have been perfecting in regenerative medicine, but instead of obviously forming a uh, an organ for a therapeutic purpose, you have uh, the ability for um, doing drug testing. Um, of well, actually more, much more than drug testing, but uh, testing sort of toxicology and, and maybe other types of things. Talk a little bit about uh, the work you're doing in this area and specifically you know, sort of the different types of organs uh, that you're yeah. capable of, of sort of laying out in this confirmation for, for uh, various forms of testing. Yes, so uh, yeah, so these are so-called organ chip systems. Uh, so uh, maybe the background for that. So Please. conventional people use uh, different uh, models for testing drugs or screening uh, different molecules. Uh, those are, uh, I mean, they're in general two categories. So one is uh, these planar static cell cultures uh, where people have been using for 100 years now, right? So these are basically like monolayer cell cultures on a dish or a plate. Uh, so then the issue there is, I mean, you can imagine none of the human systems or tissues in our body, they're really uh, two-dimensional or static in nature, right? So, so that's why uh, a lot of drugs that are tested positive in these kind of uh, simplified models, uh, they don't really translate into human system. Mm -hmm. They're just different. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is that uh, people use animal models for testing drugs. So they are pretty, uh, uh, pretty uh, kind of uh, competent, but then the issue there is uh, you still have genetic differences between animals and humans, so meaning that a bunch of drugs that are tested positive in the animals don't they don't really translate, or sometimes the other way around, meaning that sometimes you can actually see toxicity of a certain drug in animals, but they don't actually show toxicity in humans. So you're also missing the boat there, too, right? So so it's I mean double 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 waste. Uh, 
also, I mean, there's, uh, of course, I mean, re uh, rising ethical concerns uh, around use of animals for testing of these uh, drugs as well. So then uh, that's why in the past uh, 10, 15 years, people are really trying to uh, develop these truly three-dimensional uh, high content models of human uh, tissues and organs that you can uh, engineer to really model their structures and functions in vitro to allow better drug testing so you can now uh, significantly potentially reduce your uh, cost in uh, the drug development pipeline uh, just because uh, you don't waste so many of the uh, like conventional kind of uh, like molecules, they don't, they don't really translate to the final uh, product. So, so then uh, with that in mind, we have also been interested in this kind of systems by primarily incorporating microflick devices uh, which are little tiny kind of chip devices that are allowing uh, dynamic cultures of human tissues and cells. Uh, so that gives you uh, the chance not only to model or emulate individual tissues or organs, but you can imagine you can also put them together in a way that the different organs are linked in the human system. So you can start to also look at their interactions uh, between the different organs and tissues and also how the drugs, if you put them into the system, how they're interacting with different organs. Because again, a lot of times, uh, if you take a pharmaceutical uh, compound, it's not only affecting a single organ, uh, it can affect multiple organs, or sometimes uh, its effect is not directly exerted on a target organ, but it's actually through another organ, for example, that metabolizes this drug to another molecule that's active. So there are a lot of co uh, complications that are involved in the human system when, uh, I mean, uh, you have a drug uh, taken, but only like uh, they can be uh, recapitulated with these multi-organ systems that allow better interactions and all the uh, high content uh, assays. So, uh, so yeah, so basically that's our background, but also uh, one thing that we do uniquely is uh, going back to bioprinting that I mentioned, right? So we are actually pioneering the combination or integration of bioprinting with organ chip devices. So now not only can you have this three-dimensionality or actually not only can you have this uh, 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 dynamic uh, environments built into the tissues and organs that you engineer, but also you have to choose the dimensionality that you can build into the devices uh, to model our complexity uh, of the human tissues and organs. So that's uh, something ha that we have been trying to uh, do for many years now. Fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, one other aspect of the portfolio, if you could just give us a top level uh, on this one, and obviously it seems like it brings together a variety now of the tools that you've been talking about, but uh, there's an area on the website uh, called Theranostics. Mm -hmm. uh, could you just describe at the top of a, what a Theranostic technically is and, sure. and an idea of, uh, it seems like it brings together sort of everything you're doing plus some sort of nanotechnology. Mm -hmm. um, what is Theranostics all about and, and, and just yeah. an idea of like what that looks like? Uh, yes, know. yes, yes. So Theranostics basically is a combination of therapeutics and uh, diagnostics, right? So uh, you can imagine, uh, well, so more and more tech technologies have uh, uh, enabled us to not only do single uh, capacities, but also combine them all together. For example, a single uh, agent can uh, both allow not only uh, diagnosis, but also simultaneously treatment uh, at the same time, right? So that's uh, basically where this uh, concept of uh, theranostics com comes in. Uh, and in our case, uh, of course, we have been developing some nano formulations that allow us to do this, but also uh, more close to our kind of deep lines, we have been using uh, 
the different techniques that we just discussed about the bioprinting organs on ships to allow us to test all this device, all this uh, like therapeutics uh, uh, in a more accurate manner than before. So for example, uh, as we just uh, mentioned, uh, conventional models don't allow the, us to uh, test these molecules uh, in accuracy, but uh, if you, let's say, bioprint a piece of heart or bioprint a piece of liver uh, and combine those with the uh, microfluidic devices to create a high content uh, model of this, you can uh, now, in a better way, uh, look at how these diagnostic agents are affecting the different organs or tissues uh, and potentially predict their uh, efficacies in, in human systems. So that's uh, one of the key directions that we're going to right now with these devices. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, coming back to you, Dr. Zeng, the obviously looking at, at your lab, you have quite a, a large and impressive team, um, a lot going on on different fronts. Uh, we typically um, come back to our guest and ask about, um, you know, certain uh, mentors, influencers, uh, members of the team, any any folks that you want, might want to mention, shout out to that have sort of been overly uh, instrumental in, in, in working with you, helping guide you and, and keeping these projects going, please uh, uh, take that sure. time. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you for that. And the uh, one person I do want to mention is Sushila, uh, who has been with us for uh, about four, 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 five years now, uh, who actually is first author of this matter paper that we just published. Uh, so basically, she has been very instrumental for this uh, specific project, uh, leading the whole cohort of people, as you can see on the paper, like author list, uh, through the Actually, it's actually a three-year project, right? So we have been running. So it's been through some uh, difficult times and especially recent uh, COVID uh, closures and other things. Uh, but eventually, I think she was able to uh, push this out uh, very nicely. Uh, and uh, of course, it's very nice. Uh, one of, actually, one of the most interesting projects we have ever had in the, in the lab. Uh, but of course, I mean, every member matters, right? So I do yeah, give my appreciation to every single member of the lab who has uh, definitely contributed significantly in the past years, uh, basically to where we are today. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, one last thing while I have you, uh, obviously the minute, beginning of the show you mentioned uh, your love and appreciation of nature guiding some of this research, but obviously uh, on your website you have a, a beautiful spread of uh, photos of, of uh, birds, of nature, uh, other wildlife. Um, is this just a hobby or are you also, uh, do you do any exhibits uh, with this art uh, and this photography? Uh, what, what else are you involved in sort of when you're not doing, when you're not figuring out how to grow organs? Uh, uh, tell us more about the artwork. Sure, sure. So uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a hobby. So uh, again, as I mentioned, I have been doing this for about 20 years now. So when I was very young and actually when I was back in China, I was one of the uh, first Group, uh, groups of birders uh, that were present in China. So I know, I mean, as you know, uh, birding has been uh, uh, pretty popular in like the Western kind of world uh, uh, for many years. Uh, but in China, it only started uh, back about 20, 25 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. So I was among the first batch of like birders uh, uh, back in China. And I actually was uh, involved in a uh, a few kind of uh, birding societies that I was able to kind of uh, create. Uh, yeah, basically that's uh, lasted uh, until now, but of course, I mean, that remains as a hobby and uh, 
and I guess you can imagine things are getting busier and busier, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can see how, I mean, the frequency is getting reduced uh, that I put photos onto my website. So I mean that I don't go out as, many, uh, as often as before. But uh, yeah, but I mean, of course, that's definitely one of the uh, best hobbies, uh, actually best activities I can imagine that one can have uh, because uh, you can actually learn a lot of things from nature, right? So a lot of things you can kind of observe and then uh, try to adapt to what you might be doing in the lab uh, to allow us to better engineer the tissues or do a lot of things uh, actually within the lab as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Right, well, I encourage everybody that's going to be listening or watching this episode to, after you check out Dr. Zhang's uh, research, also check out his uh, photography because it is rather beautiful to uh, to look at. But um, it's a, a fascinating uh, portfolio of uh, of uh, scientific uh, work, and really wishing you the best with it moving forward. Uh, for everybody that's going to be watching on this particular uh, episode, uh, either on the YouTube channel, listening on the podcast, you've been listening to Dr. Yushrike Zhang, assistant professor, Harvard Medical School, associate bioengineer, Brigham Women's Hospital, doing really amazing things with 3D bioprinting, uh, developing organs on a chip, biomaterials, regenerative engineering, and fascinating new area of symbiotic tissue engineering. Uh, Dr. Zhang, thank you for taking the time to uh, come talk to us for a little while and educate us on what you're doing. Uh, thank you for doing it. Uh, for 